Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert and I'll be your host. Today I am going to talk about why I haven't done a podcast in so long. It's been forever. If you're listening to this in June, then you know that it's been quite some time. And that's for a variety of reasons. Primarily, I just didn't have anything I wanted to talk about. I watched plenty of movies. I saw plenty of TV shows. I played some games. But I I don't really want to talk about that kind of stuff in the podcast. There are so many other avenues to get in-depth reviews on those things. Whether or not I have a positive opinion doesn't really matter too much. So I want to reshape this podcast to talk about my work and bring in some of those media inspirations to help support what I'm doing. And in that regard, I want to talk about malevolence today. That's been my primary focus for quite some time. Been working on the vampire comic since, uh, well, I think it's been April of uh, last year, or might have been February. So it's been a while. It's been just over a year. And there are seven complete chapters available on Tapastic, along with all 11 chapters that are completed on Patreon for those who want to read ahead. And I've basically just been pumping my time into building up the uh, number of pages and trying to bring in subscribers for Tapastic and just generally sharing what I've been doing with those vampire characters. And that's included quite a bit of supplemental art, promos, and uh, just random pieces of the characters doing things. So there is so much malevolence material available. It's kind of insane. I think over on ArtStation, there's over 160 pieces currently available that are malevolence-focused. So it's something that I'm really passionate about, and I've been building it as much as I possibly can. And why is that? Well, it really dives into some of my biggest passions and some of my favorite media options. Um, One of those would be Hammer Films. In fact, this really started because I was watching Hammer movies and thinking, my goodness, these are so awesome. I love them. And they're cheesy as hell. And I don't care. I still love them. They don't care that they are melodramatic and they don't really worry about whether or not they even make sense in some regards. Now, I personally need to make sense, so I can't quite go that far down the Hammer Road, but all the Dracula movies that have Christopher Lee, the ones that don't, I've watched pretty much all of them. And so they're a huge, huge influence for Malevolence. I just absolutely adore them. I just watched Dracula Has Risen from the Grave, and it's got one of the more religious overtones of any of the uh, old Hammer Dracula movies. And so that was a lot of fun. And it kind of helped me push my next uh, season of Malevolence because I'm getting close to finishing what I would call season one of the story, probably chapter 12, maybe 13, if it ends up getting a little long-winded. So there's a lot more story to tell And I already know where I'm going to go with the story. And part of that comes from another influence, Carmilla. And that one might be pretty obvious since the main vampire is a lesbian and she's pursuing a younger woman who is more naive and doesn't really know what's going on in the world. 
So right there, you, you can draw a lot of parallels. But where the novel of Carmilla sort of falls apart because the uh, human character is constantly complaining about what she feels and she's really defiant of it, Malevolence embraces all of that stuff and normalizes sexuality, which I found to be very important. It was one of the most important parts of doing the story is to represent that in a very positive way and to make it sort of supplemental. It's not the whole point. It isn't vampire lovers from Hammer films that was tantalizing people with lesbian overtones and it isn't vampires from the 70s or that remake where the characters are really overt about it and and mostly just sexualized for for the sake of of bringing people in malevolence is more about this just being people that happen to be attracted to each other and they are also the opposite sex so the carmilla aspect that i really took uh, the most inspiration from is probably the web series Carmilla if you haven't seen that I highly recommend it I own the movie I I bought it from their website and I think I had to download it to preserve it but it's on a backup drive now and I watch it quite often the stuff is great it's this single camera webcam sort of video diary style story and it was just inspiring I absolutely loved it and if Malevolence had anything in common with anything else it would be the Carmilla web series that's what I really drew my attention to because they also just completely normalized sexual orientation and they didn't make it a big deal it was not focused on in fact you could watch the first several episodes of the web series and not necessarily know that the lead character is is homosexual. It's not like they're waving a flag and they're not screaming about it the whole time. It It is organic and it comes up. Just It's not something to tantalize you with, which I really appreciate. I appreciate it being, this is just the story and these characters happen to be that. And it's important to who they are, but it's not here to tantalize some dude who likes to watch lesbian porn. So we've got those as my primary go-tos when I'm trying to think of, you know, what what sort of story am I trying to tell and what are the characters going to be like? And so that's where those come from is Hammer Films and Carmilla. But there is one more that I find really important to bring up, and that is Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows, much like the Hammer films, is unapologetically cheesy and just melodramatic to the extreme. And if you start reading Malevolence, the first chapter is extremely melodramatic. Nina is speaking in the first person. She's citing poetry, and she's just sort of pontificating about random philosophy, which comes from another movie, which I'll talk about in just a moment. But that's sort of a Dark Shadows thing, too. These characters can just wax poetically, and it doesn't seem out of character at all. In fact, you're like, of course this vampire would talk like that. Why wouldn't he? And um, I'll never forget in the revival of Dark Shadows, the 1993 one with um, Ben Cross, there's the moment when he tells someone that uh, they're welcome to his bleak universe. I just loved it. It's just so cheesy. Kills me. And for a long time, 
I kind of avoided being cheesy. I avoided melodrama. I avoided characters that were vampires as much as possible because in a lot of ways it felt overdone. But I was kind of denying myself the opportunity to do something that I really loved as a result. And so malevolence was me saying, yeah, screw it. I'm just going to do it because it makes me happy. And I really pushed through and did a whole bunch of work on it. And that's, that's how we are here today. Um, so back to the influences, there is a movie that I absolutely adore called the addicted. And in that a philosophy student becomes a vampire and the nonsense that they spew is just hilarious. It's nineties nihilism at its absolute best. The only movie that I like a little bit more that's pretty much from the same era is Nadja. And that one also has a whole lot of just crazy commentary. One of the best speeches in the movie comes from Nadja when she's talking about the pain of fleeting joy. Um, if you haven't seen that movie, you can actually watch it on uh, YouTube. It's not really available digitally anywhere but there. Um, I have the DVD of it, and that was a hard, hard won prize, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but all around, these are the sorts of things that I watch and and study in order to bring malevolence to life. So what is the future of malevolence beyond just the idea that there is a season two what else am i going to do with it well i have been taking the comics and turning them into a screenplay so that when i finish season one as far as the comic is concerned i really want to do an animation and at this point i'm looking at using the unreal engine to sort of make it it'll, it'll have that video game feel but i i'm hoping that it'll be a sort of dark uh you know, a cut scene from like Resident Evil, maybe not quite that high of quality, but something akin to that is where I'm going. Definitely not as cool as the Resident Evil movies. I don't have that kind of money, but I should be able to get some pretty neat quality and really produce a really nice looking animation of the of the movie. So um, I am casting the story as I speak. I'm trying to find some people to play the characters. I want the screenplay done before I really start the animation so that I could get all of the people to record their parts and then have them on hand for when I'm ready for that episode. And the reason for that is is that when I did the Society Case Files um, radio drama, one of the actors disappeared for like three months. He had some kind of catastrophe at home, and he was just gone. And I needed him for literally one more episode. And then his, his character passed away. And he did such a great job, I didn't want to replace him anyway. Not that it would have been easy, because it was very obvious who he was. His voice is very distinct. So fortunately, he came back. He was really enthusiastic about doing the second uh, the second episode that his character appeared in, he actually wanted to be in another one, but um, unfortunately, he his character did die the next the next episode. So, um, but to combat the idea that people online can just disappear, they could just be gone, and then you're done, and anything you worked on with them is is in limbo. I'm not going to have that happen with Malevolence. At first, I was thinking, oh, I could do each episode and just hire someone for that part. No, 
I'm not doing that. It's just, it's too much of a risk. And these characters are very distinct. And there's not that many of them. If I tried to soap opera it and change the character in the middle of the of the season, so to speak, it'll be really obvious. And more importantly, I'll run into a severe problem in the sense that uh, I'd have to find someone who sounded like that person. It's already hard enough to find people that sound awesome or like what you have in your head. And when it comes to paying freelancers to do this work, you have a limited scope of directing them too. You have to basically offer them direction in a document or in a write-up because many of these folks don't necessarily want to communicate via Skype or Zoom or whatever else because, I mean, you know, they don't want to deal with a creeper. Um, and, And most of these characters are female and I don't want to put some woman who is, you know, lives 3,000 miles away from me on the spot to have a conversation with someone she doesn't actually know. So what that means for me is that I have to find a way to convey how this character is feeling and ensure that I get the right performance out of them uh, through the uh, written communication. Fortunately, I do write for a living, so it isn't that hard. I got some really great performances for the Society Case Files radio drama. So the key here is I just have to employ the same thing for malevolence. And I'm really hopeful that it works out. I'm planning on doing some auditioning to try and make sure that I get somebody who understands what I'm going for. And that's something else that's a little tricky with freelancers because they don't necessarily want to work for free. And auditioning is is crap because they probably have enough work in most cases for anyone that you would actually want to pay that they don't necessarily need to be auditioning for your private little uh, production, whatever it may be, no matter how much it necessarily pays, um, unless it's just outrageous. And there's not enough lines for any uh, one character, save Nina or Connie, where somebody's going to make a month's rent on this production, a couple hundred bucks probably just to, just to do maybe two, three hours of work at best. But, uh, those characters that have the most lines, I actually know people personally who can do those and they'll do them for exchange of services, basically. So I will produce art for them or music or whatever, and they'll do the voice acting for me, which is super nice because that means that they're really invested in the project as opposed to just being a hired gun. And hired guns, while they're really awesome, can be a tricky uh bunch of folks to work with because they're really only in it to make cash. And you know, that's fine. I mean, everyone's got to eat and I totally get it. I mean, I do some work that is literally just for the cash as well, which is why I understand how important it is to find people who are invested in the material. Not only should they want the money, but they should be excited about what they're reading and be interested in being that character and bringing that character to life. So I'm not sure how long this animation is going to take. One of the things I have going for me is that there is not a whole lot of action in the malevolence story. It's a lot of conversation. It's a lot of just moving around a scene to keep it active Um, but there isn't a whole lot of 
characters getting into fights, like in Society Case Files. There's not a lot of gunplay or any of that nonsense. In fact, um, there's almost no uh, violence in the second or third issue. So that should make it a lot quicker. And I'm hoping I can wrap it up in a relatively quick turnaround. I'm hoping that I could have the entire first season as an actual movie rather than just a you know, bunch of 10 to 20 minute episodes. I want to do the whole thing as a film, score it, have the characters in it, do everything that I need to do and make it a bonafide film that I can then release and then have a malevolence movie. So that's one step for malevolence film uh, animation in this regard. Could also do a radio drama. I could just take all of those voice acted parts and turn that into a radio drama. Very easy Sound effects and uh, spoken parts are really easy to put together. I could episode that out. I could have it be four long-ass episodes. That would work out just fine. So that's another option. Um, And then finally, I've been really thinking about turning it into a book, an actual novel. Because there are plenty of people out there who enjoy reading comics, sure. But then there are those who don't even look at comics and they'd rather read it as a novel. I did start chapter one right around the time I was at episode three of the comic and it was working out okay. It read a little (laughs) heavy handed is probably the best way to put it. It was so melodramatic that it might not have been fun to read for folks. I'm not entirely sure. I've read a lot of crazy vampire books that get just too intense and rice is really Uh, an excellent example of that. She can get real intense with her language, uh, spending way too much time talking about the way someone's hair looks and that sort of thing. And I tend to feel like not enough is getting done in those types of stories. So I'm not sure how I'd go about the malevolence novel to capture both the visual side effect because the whole malevolence look is important. And that has to translate into a novel somehow. And that can be done with flowery prose, stuff that honestly has been frowned upon lately. I read a lot of blogs and and ideas about what authors should and shouldn't be saying and words they should and shouldn't be using. And I think that as flowery as I would get would be frowned on by by some of these sites. Not to mention the fact that uh, Grammarly Premium would attack it as redundant or you know, whatever else, overly wordy, that sort of thing. So there are a lot of different ways to present malevolence and bring it to the world so that uh, anyone who wants to experience it, whether there's someone who likes to read comics, someone who wants to watch a film or someone who wants to just read it as a novel, they'll be able to do so. And I'm pretty excited about that because if I get the animation down and I do a great job with that first episode, I should have a nice workflow to do the second season as a film as well. So I'm pretty excited about both of those. But that's really where I'm at with what I'm creating lately is that I've just given up worrying about being silly or too melodramatic and I've just embraced the thing I love the most. I just love vampire stuff. I love cheesy vampire stuff. I'll watch any piece of crap vampire movie that exists. It's it's just my big passion. So... It's really hard to be like, meh, I can't do it because I'll be criticized for doing the same old thing. I don't, I don't care about that. I have plenty of other things 
that I'm doing that are a lot more original. And that leads me to the Society case files. Right now on Tapastic, as of May 30th, the Society case files is currently uh, going through the Decadence Lost comic. And I already did Spook and Spell, which was sort of a origin of the character Alora. And it was important to do because season three of Society Case Files is on the verge of starting. And something that happened in Spook and Spell is important to, uh, to understand season three. But then I decided, you know, I don't want to start presenting season three until I've got a firm grasp of where it's going. And while I did do episode one and it, and it ends with a really awesome sort of launch point for the whole season, I slowed down and reevaluated where I wanted to go. And it's going to be a little while before I get uh, episodes two and three done. Now, one of the interesting things is Malevolence is so far 11 chapters for season one, and I'm well into creating chapter 12. Society Case Files, on the other hand, season one is only four issues, and season two is uh, five, five issues. I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it that short. It might be a lot longer, and so that's why I'm kind of taking a step back to evaluate what I want to do with it. Um, At the same time, I'm writing an eight-novel story arc for Society Case Files. It's called Worlds Apart, and I've already done the first two. I'm almost done with the third one. And the idea is is that I'll have this eight-book arc that I can release one month after another and uh, share that with the world. Now, one of the big reasons I'm doing that is because we're really close to the Society Case Files role-playing game being completed. We're using the Savage World system. I'm not going to talk about that too much today because with the next podcast, I want to bring in the guy who's been doing a lot of the system work and ask him some questions and just have him discuss what it's taken to bring the Society Case Files setting into this role-playing game. Now, note that I have created my own system for it, but he talked me into doing the Savage Worlds for a whole lot of reasons. A lot of the art is done. A lot of the system work is done. We're just working on some some finer details, and I suspect that we'll be uh, done pretty soon. And with that, we will then release that, and it'll have all kinds of supplemental material for people to to jump into and embrace to understand what Society Case Files is all about. They can read the comics. They can read the books. I've got some animations for that one. There's the radio dramas. Pretty much any way you want to come at it and get a grasp for what this story is all about and how to run your own stories, you'll have the material to do it. Now, speaking of things that I have come close to being done or are done... My CD called Eternity is finally finished. Now, I take a moment of silence there because this has been two years of my life. I've been working on this CD for so long, it feels like I started it when I first learned how to play music. And while I know I'm exaggerating there, it's so exciting to finally nod my head and say, yes, I can call this done. For a little while there, I became super obsessed with the post-production of the CD. I bought a lot of tools. I did a lot of studying. I brought it all together and really implemented them all. And uh, 
in some cases, it's made me do uh, some of the performances again to ensure that they were of high enough quality to qualify for the CD or to work better with the tools, I should say. I've created a lyric book that has art from the story, different characters to help sort of tell the tale so you get an idea of what's going on. And then there's the screenplay, which I'm printing out, and we'll have that available as well. And eventually we'll perform that, and it'll be this radio drama that intermixes the songs into it. We've got some music videos that uh, will also be available. One of them's already out and uh, sort of is supporting the Bandcamp version of the single. But bottom line is, Eternity is done. I'm just creating extra stuff to make it interesting for people who like physical stuff, whether it be a book or an actual CD or whatever. Um, I'm making some things to reward folks who really want that kind of thing. Of course, it's going to be available on uh, Bandcamp and through CD Baby, all of the streaming services, YouTube, etc. So if you're more of a person who prefers digital You'll still have that opportunity, of course, but if you want to have a physical copy or you want to have the uh, MP3s from from Bandcamp, you can go there as well. This has been such a long time coming, primarily because I just became so specific and, and, and got a perfectionist idea in my head. It became really hard. In fact, I actually just bought a pair of really nice headphones to do my final listen. So they're like not mixing headphones, they're consumer Bluetooth headphones. And I put them on and I relaxed on my daybed and just listened to the whole CD. And I have to say, I was actually really happy with it, which uh, <laughs> if you'd had the opportunity to hear me talk about it for the last two months, you would be, uh, you'd be surprised that it actually worked out finally. In fact, I have started our next musical project, and it is going to be based on one of our songs from the Clockwork Dreams uh, CD, our very first CD as the Deadly Nightshade Botanical Society. Uh, The second song on that CD is called Legacy, and it's basically a Frankenstein song. So I'm going to do a theme CD that kind of brushes on Frankenstein and really goes into one of my other passions. It's one of my favorite novels. I've read it a million billion times. I've seen all of the movies for that as well, the Hammer versions and and otherwise. I pretty much break for for Frankenstein. It's uh, going to be a lot of fun. And the first song is so different than anything I did from Eternity, which, by the way, I was really nervous that my focus on post-production had ruined my creative ability to just make stuff. And fortunately, I'm really happy with the new thing. Helped prove out that I can actually still do this. So that's something to look forward to as well. I'm hoping it doesn't take two freaking years. In fact, I'm putting a deadline on myself in my head that I'm not going to bring up. But supplementally, something to sort of keep myself moving and really keep up those chops of post-production work that I've learned we are redoing several songs from the past. And those songs are Clockwork Dream. I've already done the performances again and updated the instruments to be modern. Uh, We're going to redo the sound. We're going to redo Dance of the Autumn People. And we might redo Bellarini. So we've got quite a few songs that we're just going to finish and then release as, as part of a free 
thing for folks who've ever bought our work or just want to get in touch with our work again. There'll be refreshed versions that folks can can get behind and see if they like. So um, I like them better already just because they do sound more modern. I know what I'm doing. I didn't know what I was doing in 2008. It's been a long time. Holy crap. <laughs> but uh, regardless, so that's something else to look forward to. Lots of music on the horizon, lots of writing, lots of books, everything. I'm just crazy busy, which is partially why it's taken so long to get back to this podcast. And I feel bad for it in one regard, but you know, I finally have something to talk about. And again, the next time I do a podcast, it's going to be with my friend. We're going to talk about the role-playing game. We'll dedicate the whole time to just role-playing games in general, uh, the Society Case Files version in particular, Savage Worlds, and uh, we'll just have a great conversation and uh, share that with everybody as well. But that's it for this week and possibly for the next two weeks. It really depends on how busy my partner is to bring him out and get him to do some work with me. But thank you very much for listening today. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, please visit my website at www.societycasefiles.com or you can support the project at www.ko-fi.com slash societycasefiles. Note that on that site, and for only $4, you have access to multiple audiobooks, a bunch of novels, the radio drama, and a ton of other great stuff. So it's really worth the money to just dive in and enjoy a bunch of the work I've done. Anyway, thank you guys very much again. Hope to see you next time. Have a great day. We'll be right back.